So glad to be here uh, this morning. As uh, I saw Jay, you said, good luck, preacher. Something like, or have fun, preacher, or some, something like that. But, um, you know, it's, how, how old is Parker Ford? 200 and how many years? But to, I just had this thought as you said that in the, the hallway of the, the privilege to be up here with a church that's lasted for so many generations. It was very, you probably didn't think of it this way, but for me it was just very humbling to be able to be up here after Sunday after Sunday of generations of people worshiping and Parker Ford Church is still here. It was just an amazing um, thought. And then also this morning, just when you said that you were going to pray out of the passage of Acts 16, I, I didn't see what you saw, Danny, in there. And I just also this morning just thought, how, how cool is it that God just individualizes his word for each one of us? Um, it actually made me want to change my sermon, but I'll stick with my notes. But um, just a beautiful thing that you're able to pull out of that passage. And I pray this morning as I um, go through Acts chapter 16 that God has something for each one of us, uh, you know, wherever we're at this morning. Uh, so if you have your Bibles, you can open up. We're going to start at verse 16 of Acts chapter 16. And this uh, takes pa- place in Philippi. Um, so later, uh, Paul would write to the Philippians. Um, so that's the context of where Paul is um, written by Luke, and Luke is with Paul at this time. Um, that's why he says in verse 16, as we were going. Um, so this is a firsthand account uh, by Luke as he's with Paul. So verse 16, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. She followed Paul and us crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. Um, So as, as many of you know, I lived in the Dominican Republic for a time. And... Usually, probably about daily, I would pass this one house, um, and it was kind of set back, and there was this front lawn, and um, most of the time when I passed this house, there was a woman on the front lawn, and she would just, she would just pace around and loudly just preach, um, and she wasn't preaching to anybody in particular, she was just pacing around, and she would preach, and like I said, most of the time when I passed there, she was out on the front lawn doing this. Every once in a while, I would engage with her. Um, and then regret it. One, because I didn't speak Spanish well enough for how quickly she preached at me. Um, And then the others, I just was like super scared. Uh, But she was probably in, if I had to guess, uh, probably somewhere in her like mid to late 30s. And there was one day that I was passing by the house, and I was with a friend of mine named Chow. And she was out on the front lawn, as usual, just preaching to nobody. And Chow just made this, like, passing comment and said, oh, yeah, she, she wasn't always like this. Somebody put a spell on her 
And then ever since then, she's been acting like this. She used to actually be very normal. And then one day, you know, a spell was cast over her, and now she's been like this ever since. And then we just kept on, and it was, to him it was like, you know, it just happens. For me, you know, as an American with a Western mindset, I'm like, that's super weird. Um, and then there was another time, uh, again, as you may know, I ate my meals in a convent uh, with missionary nuns. And I was sitting, uh, having dinner by myself one evening, and Hermana Juana, as we called her, Sister Juana from Peru, came in, and I hadn't seen her all day. And she sat down, and Juana, uh, just an, an amazing woman, so filled with, filled with the Spirit, um, would just sit down there with me, and she would just chat. Uh, and she was patient with me with my Spanish and everything, but we would chat, and I asked her, you know, hey, what have you been up to all day? And again, just like Chow, she just casually said, oh, I was the next town over. Um, I was a part of an exorcism uh, today. Somebody was, you know, filled with a, a demon, and, you know, I was just kind of part of that and, and helping out. And again, totally nonchalant, as if, oh, this is just totally normal. Who... If, if you sat down with somebody this afternoon, and they were like, oh, yesterday I was part of this crazy exorcism, who would kind of be a little, like, weirded out by that? Most of us, I would think. But down there, it was just, it was every day. It was just, this, this is what happens in the spiritual realm. And a big part of the reason that that's present in the Dominican Republic is because it borders with the country of Haiti. And what is the national religion of Haiti? Voodoo. And I would go home at night and in the distance uh, hear the voodoo drums beating. Uh, Voodoo was heavily influencing the Dominican Republic. Um, And because of that, the the Dominicans and, of course, the Haitians were opening themselves up to a spiritual realm that was demonic. Um, Still to this day, talking about stuff like that. Like, I I read the scriptures, and some stuff I'm just like, yes, you know, I I get it. And then I read some other things and just kind of like pass over them. But here we see Paul is encountering somebody that is filled with an evil spirit. And wherever we are when it comes to that sort of part of spirituality, whether you know, we, we believe in it, or whether we're skeptical of it, we all, most likely here this morning, believe that the scripture is the word of God. And then we look at these passages, and we have to wrestle with that. And say, what are areas all around us that the spiritual is, is waging, and we're just desensitized to it? And maybe we just say, oh, that's their upbringing. Or, and, and these things can be true. I'm not dismissing these things. But sometimes we just say, that's upbringing. Or that's um, chemical imbalance. Or that's a, a temptation. Or you may, maybe we'll, we will say spiritual warfare or stronghold. But in our Christian circles, demon possession or possessed by a spirit does not come up that often. But in the Dominican Republic, it's like, oh, yeah, this is it's just the way it is with some people. Ephesians, we're very familiar with this verse. I'm starting off pretty heavy here. But uh, Ephesians 
and we're familiar with this verse, says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil. The, the spiritual realm is active, whether we see it or not, whether we choose to believe in it or not, whether we just say that was then and now it's different. Um, and one person explained to me that, you know, the devil and his ca- tactics, he's kind of like a chameleon. So in the Dominican Republic in Haiti, uh, with the practice of voodoo, he, he's got a stronghold in that sort of like spiritual realm in a different way than maybe in the United States. And the person that was explaining this to me was saying, you know, in the United States, there still is that, but the tactics are different, and it's a spirit of um, greed or lust or rage. Um, And it it might just look slightly different than elsewhere, but it's still active and it's still present. So the interesting thing about this as well is, who, who believes this to be true? These men, so Paul and Luke, these and Silas, these men are, are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. Who believes that's a true statement? Hopefully all of you. If not, let's talk after. So I, I find that interesting. So he, Paul looks at this um, slave girl who is saying something that's true, but realizes that that truth is not from God, even though it was truth, what was being said. In 1 John, John says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Because, um, you know, you think about Jesus uh, before his crucifixion, what were they pronouncing? Hail, King of the Jews. It was the truth, but it wasn't coming from the Spirit of God. So that's where it also can get very tricky as well. So sometimes it might be blatant of whether this is from God or not, and then other times it can be very subtle. So with all of this, what kind of just has come to mind and in my heart this week is just uh, the desire for myself and for us to have more of a sensitivity to the activity of the spiritual realm around us. Because it's present, whether we recognize it or not. So then it goes on, verse 19. So this slave girl has owners, um, and Paul casts out this spirit. And verse 19, here's the reaction of the owners. Um, Verse 19 says, But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in attacking them. And the magistrates tore the garments off of them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. 
So there was loss for the owners. We see something similar in Acts chapter 19, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks. It says this, About that time there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines to Artemis, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called them together, along with the workers in related trades, and said, You know, my friends, that we receive a good income from this business. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large number of people in Ephesus and practically the whole province of Asia. He says that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. So for these owners of the slave girl, their hope for gain was now a loss. They were hoping for financial gain, and now because of what Paul has done, it's financial loss. And it disturbs them and upsets them and kind of messes with their way of life. And this is a very worldly view of gains and losses. Basically, the worldview of gain is how does this benefit me? That's a gain. And this doesn't need to just be financial like this passage, but looking from a worldly perspective and saying, how does this situation benefit me? What can I gain from this situation? And then the worldly view of loss is, does, this doesn't benefit me. Whatever's going on in this situation doesn't benefit me, so it's a loss. In Philippians, Paul gives a completely different view of gains and losses. Philippians 3 verse 7 says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. So verse 19 of Acts says their hope of gain was gone. What they believed was gain was now gone. But Paul says, whatever I gain, whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. I believe that because we're on this side of eternity, most of us oftentimes view situations from the worldly perspective of gain and loss. Whether we realize it or not, most of the time it's subconscious, but we look at a situation and say, how does this benefit me? Paul here says, every situation we should look at and say, not how does this benefit me, but gain is if more of Jesus comes to that situation. That's gain. That's true gain. And loss is if less of Jesus is in that situation. So when we look at our home environment, is it full of gain for Christ or loss? So let's get real here, because a lot of us are married. Um, You have... An argument, some of you've argued with your spouse before, right? Jay, you've argued, never? Okay. So some of us, this might not be a, a good example. But in a situation, is that true? Jen, you, you know, as a daughter-in-law? No. <laughs> Smart move. But you're in, in your home life, 
and something isn't going your way. You're not getting worldly gain from the situation. This, this situation is not benefiting me. And, and an argument ensues. And you dig in your heels and you want to win that argument. Yet you might have some worldly gain. Yes, I won this argument. But you've pulled Christ out of your home environment. When, when you're going at it, and Carrie and I, she's not here this morning. Um, don't rat me out. But sometimes we'll go at it. And it's not always like verbal or an argument, but it could be very silent and passive and subtle. And when I dig my heels in and I'm stubborn and I'm not humble and I'm thinking about how this situation can benefit me, I am pulling Christ out of my home and now there's loss. I might gain something worldly, but I'm losing the spiritual in my home environment. At work, with our tenacity or desire to succeed or have accolades or promotions or whatever it may be. When we're thinking about how does this situation benefit me? What's my gain? And we can care less about those around us. We've pulled Christ out of that situation and now there's loss in that environment. In relationships, in our church, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, wherever it may be, to take the view of of Paul here where he says, gain is Christ. Everything else is loss. Gain is Christ. And it is so difficult. Because a lot of times, because of our selfishness, we want what benefits us. And just to sit down or stand up, whatever you want to do in the situation, but just to step back And just say, am I bringing Christ into this situation? Because if I'm not, this is a a lose-lose. So their hope for gain was gone. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison, verse 24, fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them, And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundation of the prison was shaken. Immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. I was praying about this this morning, Danny, and I was just praying today that our bonds would be unfastened. (laughs) That was awesome. I'm just going to steal it as my own, because I don't think you'll be on the recording. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. Um, the reason for this, and you'll see throughout uh, a lot of different passages in Acts, um, there was one when uh, Paul was shipwrecked, and the, the people that were commanding the ship wanted to kill all of the prisoners. Do you remember that? I think that's later in Acts. But you'll see a couple of times um, where like the prison guards or the people that were in charge of the slaves wanted to kill themselves because if you lost a prisoner, then you were put to death. So he's worried uh, about losing all of these prisoners and what's going to happen to him. So that's why he's about to kill himself. But Paul cried with a loud voice, Do not harm yourselves, for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, trembling with fear. He fell down before Paul and Silas. 
Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So obviously, the, the hymns that they were singing um, had a great impact on this jailer. And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Then he brought them into his house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. So Paul's view of gains and losses was in the right perspective. Like he, it seems through what we read, he had his focus right. And so he's able to, so he, he went through this terrible situation, right, where all he was trying to, well, he was annoyed, so maybe he did it in anger, but he, he had helped somebody that was in bondage. And instead of those people rejoicing and the slave owners rejoicing, they took Paul and Silas and beat them with rods. And now Paul and Silas are in jail, but because they have the right perspective of gain and loss, he's able to be there singing hymns. Because he's there and said, you know what, Lord, I'm following your path. I did what I believed was right and has put me in this situation. And because of that, I have more of you, so it's gain. To be able to be in a prison after being beaten for doing pretty much nothing wrong, he's able to sit there and say, Lord, this is gain. Because you've put me here, and whatever you have for me, I want. It's gain, not loss. He's able to sing hymns and be content. And then at the same time, he has the opportunity to flee, yet he doesn't because he knows what's going to happen to the jailer. And he's considering others above himself. So now imagine the Philippians know all that has happened with Paul. And then later they receive a letter and Paul says, I have learned in whatever situation to be content. So as they're reading the letter of Philippians, they have these visuals in their mind of what Paul has been through. And they can read this and say, man, oh man. That was so true in the life of Paul. There's authority in his words because he lived it among them. And in Philippians 2, he's able to say, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Again, they would read these words and know this is just not empty talk but this is something that he lived. And when we have this kingdom view of gain and loss, the words that we speak come out with so much more authority because people look at our lives and they say, they're not just saying this, they're living this. And uh, I believe it was DC Talk. I remember them from like the 90s. Um, I forget exactly how it goes, but they had this one song and there was this little like saying before it that said, the greatest damage for Christ is people that acknowledge Jesus with their lips, 
but then walk out the door and do nothing else. If we want our testimony to have weight, and, or if we want our words to have weight and authority, our testimony needs to match up. But we can only do that when we're filled with Christ and we have the proper view of gains and losses. This is the shortest sermon that I think I've ever preached. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Junior church is going to be like, but we just put out snack. Um, I wish I was in junior church today. Um, I'm looked down and it says conclusion. I'm like, what? It's 11 o'clock. Oh, man. Uh, Yeah. That that, That will not give any gain but just lost if I do that up here. So just, and, and hopefully, you know, you can walk away today. It's, it's short and it's simple, but walk away today um, just praying, and I'm praying for us, in increased awareness of what's going on around us. There's the physical, but then... So much bigger, there's the spiritual. And that's why in Proverbs, um, the writer says, don't lean on our own understanding because it is so limited. But in all your ways, acknowledge him because he will make your path straight. An increase awareness of the spiritual realm. And then also just a proper view of gains and losses. And, And a lot of this the second part here, it takes slowing down in order, one, for the spiritual, it takes slowing down to recognize this, but also with a, a God-like view of what's gained and what's lost, takes slowing down in the heat of the moment. It takes slowing down when you're in your work environment. You ever, you're ever at work, um, and you're just go, 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 and then you just, you take a moment to breathe, and you realize, like, how crazy your mind has been for, like, the past couple of hours, and there was no acknowledgement of God in any of those situations, and you're just like, oh, man, if I would have just taken five minutes to breathe, I probably would have done things a lot different. As Carrie and I um, are trying to practice the spiritual discipline of rest and solitude, and silence, I'm starting to find um, that I can, in these situations, see God's presence more. Because it's easy just to get caught up in what we're doing and and the speed of life that we don't take time to just quiet and pause. And I, I talked about this a few months back in a sermon of just pause. Not let anything come out of our mouth and not let our mind whirl, but just pause and say, Lord, where is your gain in this situation? In the heat of an argument, if we just pause mentally and verbally for like five seconds, it diffuses. If we let Christ in, it diffuses. And then maybe the verse, a gentle answer turns away wrath from Proverbs, might might bubble to the surface, and then we just look at our spouse and say, you know what? I'm sorry. Slowing down 
so that we can bring God into these situations. And then we can be like Paul. And hopefully none of us have to be in the situation that he was in. But he's able to sit there and sing and say, it is well with my soul. Because I'm right where Christ has me, and that's gain. Dear Lord, I pray um, that you let this passage infiltrate our lives. Lord, for me, I dismiss, um, I, I acknowledge the spiritual when I know it's from you, and I dismiss the spiritual oftentimes um, when it's the enemy at work. And that's something that I pray just for an increased awareness, Lord. Let me see the reality of what you're doing around me. Let me slow down enough to see the reality of what you're doing around me. And then in those situations, Lord, bring gain for your kingdom, not for my kingdom. Lord, and and also just as the passage ends with them singing hymns and seeing this jailer and his family come to to know you. Lord, that in whatever situation we can be like Paul and say, I'm content, whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or living in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Lord, give us that in all situations. Settle our soul and settle our mind so that we can focus our eyes on you. Lord, so as we go about this day, um, Lord, I just, I just pray for a peace um, upon us, Lord, a knowledge and an acknowledgement of your authority over all things around us, um, Lord, and just open up our eyes to see things in ways that we've never seen them before, Lord, and we ask your kingdom come, your will be done in this day, Lord, and as we lay our head down tonight, that we will do so with peace and contentment in our soul because we've had a glimpse of more of you. In your son's name we pray, amen.